What's up, everybody? Welcome back into Letterman Row. It is time to do a off-week video. Andy, is that what we call this, an off-week? That's Andy Backstrom, obviously. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Uh, this video, as always, is presented by Buyer's Auto, uh, the best place to buy a newer used auto in Central Ohio. Andy, can we call this an off-week? Is it an idle week? Is it a idle week. purgatory week? What do we what are we calling this? An unexpected idle week, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Canceled all the hotels for Indianapolis and Columbus for the week and watching everything play out just like Ohio State. Yeah, so that's where we begin here. Uh, Tuesday night, Ohio State number five in the CFP rankings. We're not breaking any new ground there. If you haven't seen it by now, uh, it is Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC, Ohio State, then Alabama. Buckeyes ahead of Alabama, which is obviously a huge deal that they appear to be next in line when it comes to uh cfp scenarios scenarios however you want to say it um, i'm not a doctor so okay so if usc loses ohio state's in right if tcu loses ohio state's in right not exactly uh especially with the tcu conundrum um but it's safe to say i believe that if usc loses to utah for a second time and can't beat that team in both tries uh ohio state's going to get into the playoff field would you agree yeah, I mean, if you look at USC's best wins, they came the last two weeks against UCLA and Notre Dame. Aside from that, they don't have much to show for. And they even had a couple close games against a five-win Arizona team and a four-win Cal team after that loss to Utah. And, and I, I know that loss to Utah was on a two-point conversion. And what's interesting is, I mean, Boo Corrigan, the college football playoff chairman was all over the place in his explanation of things and in a teleconference on Tuesday because he was talking about you know their loss to Utah was pretty close whereas Ohio State's loss to Michigan at the end of the day was was a blowout you know it was close going in into the second half obviously Ohio State had the lead at halftime so then he was asked a follow-up question is that the difference between Ohio State at four or Ohio State at five and USC at four and he was like well no we're not like comparing the losses. It's more about the good wins that they have. But even that doesn't make total sense because he talked about how USC's playing so well of late. So it was kind of all over the place, but I get the sense that, yeah, USC needs to win this game to lock it up. And if they lose, you can't take them in. One, because they haven't had a two-loss team in the playoff ever. And secondly, because you've lost twice to a team in your own conference. I would agree with that. Uh yeah, Boo Corrigan. So here's the here's the deal. The college wall playoff chair is basically put up on the stage to be slaughtered by the by everyone. I mean, like the, there is no winning in that in that discussion at all. You just can't win because he's gonna stand up there and have to explain the vote of 12 people with the voice of one. He's asked these very specific questions about why he did or did not do something that was the result of what 12 people did. So he's not in a good position anyway. Uh, Gary Barta wasn't in a good position when he did that for, you know, from Iowa for, you know, the college football playoff me. But I believe that this guy is ab actually worse at it than than most. I mean, to put your foot in your mouth like that with the USC Ohio State thing, that is not something you could do. The Alabama Ohio State thing, too. Like, you, you just can't do that. And so... Now it's not very clear at all what's going on with this. But what is clear is, yeah, two loss USC that loses twice to the same team uh, is not getting in the college football playoffs. So end of story, if USC loses Friday night in the Pac-12 championship game against the Utes, uh, Ohio State is going to the college football playoff. 
And I can say that with almost certainty because Georgia won't be knocked out. Michigan won't be knocked out with a loss. Uh, TCU, I don't believe, gets knocked out with a loss. They've already beaten Kansas State once. It's USC or Ohio State, and I don't see any other way to do it. Buckeyes can sit at home. USC loses. I believe Ohio State will be in the playoff if USC falls. Yeah, because as you mentioned, you know, TCU has already beaten Kansas State once this year. So unless they were just absolutely blown out by Kansas State, and even then they might still get in, I just don't see them getting knocked out. Um, We talked about this in an earlier video, but it's funny with TCU because in 2014, obviously Ohio State nudged them out for the spot in the college football playoff because there was no Big 12 championship at the time, and TCU didn't get a chance to play in this weekend. Now they do get a chance, and it would just be so agonizing for those fans if that's the reason why they don't get in. I think they do get in. I think, you know, they've won a lot of games against plus 500 teams this year. That seems to be a big talking point among the committee. And as you said, you know, like this Kansas State game, it matters in a sense, but it also doesn't because the committee and everyone else has already seen them beat Kansas State before. And that's a Kansas State team that regard to. So it's not like this is the Big Ten West where, you know, there's a team out of nowhere that's playing in a championship game. It could upset them and it looks terrible, terrible. So um, I think TCU is, is safe, like you're saying. The only way I could see TCU being left out, Andy, is if they're completely blown out by Kansas State, which isn't out of the question. I think Kansas State was up 28-10 in that first meeting, and then their starting quarterback got hurt, and the backup quarterback got hurt. So a third-string quarterback out there playing against TCU. It's not crazy to think Kansas State goes into Jerry World and just beats up on TCU, and then you get into a little bit of a conundrum because in that case – TCU would be 11 and 1 against FBS opponents, just like Ohio State would be. TCU played Tarleton. Ohio State did not play Tarleton or anyone close to Tarleton. So if TCU gets wiped up, you know, wiped out in in the in, you know, uh the big spaceship out there in Arlington, you could make an argument for Ohio State because Ohio State, you know, like Boo Corrigan said, kept it close going into the fourth quarter against Michigan, then ended up getting embarrassed in the fourth quarter. We don't need to rehash that for the people who watch this. They already know that. Um, but, you know, Ohio State, a double-digit win at Penn State, a top-10 team that's not moving out of the top-10 no matter what. You know, uh, a win against Notre Dame, uh, the same exact way that USC beat Notre Dame by 11 points. If TCU gets blown out, you can start to – to look at some metrics and make a case for Ohio state, but I don't believe the committee will ultimately do that. Yeah. I think that, you know, unless it's extreme, right. Like a real beat down. I don't think that's going to happen. And you bring up a good point about Notre Dame too. Like that, that game was really important against USC last week, not only because if you know Notre Dame had won that, it would have really helped Ohio state because it would have made Notre Dame even look better. And it probably would have, just kept Ohio state in the four spot, not five going into this week's rankings. Um, But the way that Notre Dame was able to fight back in that game and make it a little bit closer certainly helps Ohio state because now when you're comparing the common opponent, uh, it looks a lot better for Ohio state than it would have. That was a runaway win for, for USC. Yeah, exactly. And so the scenario is pretty easily or is not easily. Wow. It's pretty easy to see for Ohio state. USC loses Ohio state's in TCU loses. Um, pray that the committee decides Ohio state's just simply better. Um, but let's, let's move on now, Andy, to say that Ohio state doesn't make the college football playoff. USC wins. Even if TCU loses and gets in, if USC wins, I think the path becomes a lot more difficult for Ohio state. 
that puts Ohio State likely not to the Rose Bowl, as folks from around the country have reported, um, folks from Columbus have reported. Uh, it seems to be a mutual interest that Ohio State won't be going back to the Rose Bowl. I had a hard time selling tickets to it last year. Um, it went against Utah. If if you know if it's a rematch against Utah, that makes it even more unlikely to sell tickets for Ohio State. If it's against Washington, you just played Washington three years ago in the Rose Bowl. The appetite for it, I just don't think is there. And that's crazy to say because of the tradition and the, the pool of the Rose Bowl. But this game isn't even on New Year's Day. It's on January 2nd. Um, I, I think they're going to play in the Orange Bowl against the winner of North Carolina and Clemson. And I think that's going to be better for most people involved anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's just really interesting when you think about the Rose Bowl because I was going back and reading – about that win over Washington in 2019, which was Urban Meyer's final game as head coach. And there was just so much happiness, joy after that game. I mean, it was Urban's final call, right? You know, wins that game, goes off, rides into the sunset. But, like, when you look at it, that's so much tradition there. You know, this is – the Big Ten has always had the tie-in. And it's just really weird to think about how – this is a game that you certainly don't want to play in. I think part of that was just, you know, we've talked about this after last year was, well, the Rose Bowl is not where we want to be. Uh, We want to be in the college football playoff. It was almost portrayed as a failure, which fair, you know, if that's the standard, then great. You know, you want to make college football playoff, but it was almost cast on this, a shadow on that game uh, in Pasadena. And it's just really strange to think about because there's so much pride in playing for that. There even was within this program and it just doesn't seem like that exists anymore. And it seems like if they were to play there, you know, you're going to have a ton of opt-outs. You're probably not going to sell the tickets you want to sell. And you would have a rematch just from a fan perspective would probably be a little bit less appealing than if you go to the orange bowl and you play, you know, a new opponent at UNC, if they, if they pull off the win, against Clemson or you get to see Clemson again and there's a lot of bad blood between those fan bases. So that's certainly more appealing, but it's just strange. Yeah. And then with the bowl tie-ins for clarity's sake, a lot of people have said, put Ohio state and Alabama against each other, watch the ratings go crazy. Well, I'm sure everyone involved would love to do that. The sugar bowl would probably love to do that. So it wouldn't have to put Alabama number six, Alabama against a Kansas state team. That'll probably be number 12 or 13. But the bowl tie-ins say that the highest-rated non-playoff SEC team plays against the highest-rated non-playoff Big 12 team in the Sugar Bowl. Those are bowl tie-ins. They're conference tie-ins. This year in particular makes it to where they slot pretty easily, um, except for special circumstances in which the Rose Bowl takes Penn State. But the Pac-12 is going to send somebody to the Rose Bowl. The Big 10 will send somebody not named Ohio State in all likelihood to the Rose Bowl. Then the highest-ranked non playoff ACC team plays against the highest ranked non-playoff SEC or Big Ten team, which means Ohio State is ahead of Tennessee, putting Ohio State in the Orange Bowl against the ACC winner, and Tennessee to the Cotton Bowl, because Tennessee's off. That's where Tennessee will go um, if all of this shakes out correctly. Tennessee to the Cotton Bowl against the winner of UCF and Tulane. I know that's a lot of word salad. But that's just the way these bowl tie-ins work. The Fiesta Bowl is a playoff game. The The Peach Bowl is a playoff game. This is the, the one of every three years where the bowl tie-ins make everything pretty dang straightforward. And that's just the year that we're in, the cycle that we're in. Ohio State throws a wrench into it by requesting the Orange Bowl. 
uh, the, the Rose Bowl request uh, may uh, take Penn State anyway. And so Ohio State will in all likelihood be, uh, you know, have the big bowl of oranges to play for instead of a few dozen roses. Uh, and, and, a pl- and a matchup against either Drake May, a test for this defense, if, you know, or a matchup against Dabo Sweeney won't be the worst thing in the world for, for Ohio State fans. No, I mean, there's, as I said before, there's bad blood between these programs and you see it in the college football playoff. And I think you would see a lot of that animosity in a bowl game. Um, you know, you still probably get the opt-outs. We, we've heard CJ Stroud talk about his legacy after the Michigan game. And it just doesn't sound like he would play in a postseason game that isn't the college football playoff. So then you're reframing the game. And obviously you'd want to win that if you're Ohio State, but you're looking at the future at that point. What does this team look like with a Kyle McCord at quarterback? And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with some of the offensive linemen, but like there's definitely going to be other opt-outs as well. And, and then you're going to have to look at that. Um, and that's an interesting spin for a program that was planning on playing for a national title, but might have to adjust its expectations and, and look a little bit towards 2023. Which is the exact same position it was in last year. Um, and it didn't do anything to spin the Rose Bowl. It basically said the Rose Bowl wasn't good enough, but it still went to the Rose Bowl and beat Utah. This year, I think you can spin it as, okay, let's look at the future. Kyle McCord, uh, maybe, you know, give some snaps to Devin Brown. I don't know what you want to do there. I think it would be Kyle McCord. Uh, then you you talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. and Kyle McCord. That that pairing, uh, the, the future of the running back position, the future of the offensive line, Who's going to be playing defense? Let's see who's going to solidify themselves in the new Jim Knowles system year two as they try to take a big leap. Uh, oh, but it's on a Friday night before New Year's Eve, and that kind of takes the wind out of its sail. I don't know. It's just weird. That's a very weird spot. Uh, December 30th, I, I believe Friday night, just kind of there. And it's a New Year's Six game, but it's not on New Year's Day. It's not on New Year's Eve. It's just kind of there. And so – it will be interesting to see the spin that Ohio State tries to put on this, especially because at 11-0, and 0, the number two team in the country, you thought you were going to do bigger and better things. You thought this was the year you could challenge Georgia for the national title. Alabama, Clemson, both out of the picture. Well, you might see Clemson after all, but probably not where you expected to. It's just going to be interesting to see the juxtaposition of last year and the way that they framed going to a meaningless Rose Bowl. I know that hurts people's ears to hear but it was a meaningless Rose Bowl for Ohio State. So now switching and trying to spin and going to a meaningless, and I do seriously mean for Ohio State, uh, in a lot of ways, meaningless Orange Bowl because you wanted to get where you aren't going to be. Yeah, I think it's meaningless in the sense that you're not contending for the national title, which is what everyone here wants to do in Columbus. But I do think that it is meaningful for looking toward the future because next year is going to be a very, very big season for Ryan Day and company here. I mean, talk about pressure, having lost two straight to Michigan, going into a season where you haven't made the college football playoff and back-to-back seasons, all the pressure is going to be on. You're going to have probably the second year of continuity with a defensive staff that came in this year. And you're going to have a lot of young guys that are going to have to play. You're going to have a new quarterback. You're going to have new guys on the offensive line. There's going to be a lot of things that you're going to look for. And so I think maybe it is a little bit more meaningful than last year's Rose Bowl, because even if they play in the Orange Bowl, it's still going to learn a lot about what this team's going to look like next year. Whereas last year, it was more of how do we wash that bad taste out of our mouth? But even so, with that win, it really didn't. So I think that you are going to get some more tangible, you know, things you can point to. Okay, we might see this next year. 
um, we might not see this next year. Like, I think you can take more stuff away from this game than you did last year in the Rose Bowl. And last year, if you remember, the C.J. Stroud hype train truly took off after a a crazy passing performance in the Rose Bowl. If North Carolina beats Clemson, and there's a real possibility that that happens, you're talking about a historically bad North Carolina pass defense against Kyle McCord. If Ohio State fans want a reason to be optimistic about next year, root for North Carolina on, on Saturday and watch Kyle McCord in this passing attack go against uh, the North Carolina pass defense that if there's anything as if there's any way to build confidence in a meaningless bowl game, it's playing the North Carolina pass defense as a first time starter uh, or a second time starter. I guess he's starting against Akron. There's a real possibility that happens. And, you know, last year there was a lot of opt outs with wide receivers, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Well, Jackson Smith and Jigba stepped in. He couldn't have opted out because he was still in the program this year. There's no opt outs in the receiver room. Uh, I don't expect Julian Fleming to leave the program. I, I would expect him to play and, and, you know, be back next year as a third-year receiver. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. will be back. Emeka Buko will be back. You've got all the all this talent that that has to come back. And so I think that there's a real chance for this Ohio State team to enter the offseason with a lot, I mean, a lot of momentum if it comes to an Orange Bowl. And if you get to the college football playoff, obviously there's just built-in momentum with that. So I think either way, this program is set up to, to end December much better than it began December. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys on this team that are young that have played this season, but they haven't been meaningful snaps. And, like, they haven't been in games where they're actually getting the chance to show what they can do full potential. I mean, McCord is a great example. You know, he's come in in mop-up duty a ton of times this season when Ohio State was up big, but he didn't get to really show his arm talent. He didn't get to air it out and, and use the full playbook with this offense and people have kind of called for that early on in the season. Hey, why can't we see more of Kyle McCord? This is their chance potentially. I mean, like people rag on CJ a little bit for opting out. Uh, why is this happening? You know, this is the new age of college football playoffs now, you know, with NIL, they should still play. But like, if you're thinking about it from the Ohio state perspective, you probably want him to sit out and want him to, you know, move on to whatever he wants to do next, if that's his choice, because then you actually get a good look at Kyle McCord. And let's say he doesn't play well, right? You know, then you're put it with a situation. Do you overreact to that? Is that, you know, a big enough sample size? Probably not. But still, it creates more of a conversation around what are you doing in that position, which is the most important position for any team going into next year. And that's actually some hard data than finding that out in week one of next season. So I think it's actually a good situation for them. I agree. I agree. And so now it's either the Peach Bowl against Georgia or I guess Michigan or or the Orange Bowl. And so, you know, th those are basically the two options. I don't see a way that Ohio State gets to the Fiesta Bowl unless Michigan uh, becomes the one seed and chooses the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, and I guess Ohio State might play Michigan again. And we would have certainly have a lot of fun with that. Uh, I'm not going to start to float that as a possibility because uh, that might end the internet if that does happen. Uh, and it would even more further break the internet if Ohio State and Michigan met in a national title game. Um, we won't talk about those possibilities, but what we will do now, Andy, uh, as we move into conference championship weekend, Ohio State is sitting at home while others are playing around the country. You have one big question heading into conference championship weekend. What is it? Yeah, I'm just really, really curious to see how Michigan plays in the Big Ten championship. I just... You know, it affects the way that that loss that Ohio State had to Michigan is perceived, because if Michigan 
goes into the Big Ten Championship against a eight-win Purdue team that came out of the messy, messy Big West, Big Ten West and doesn't blow them out, there's going to be even more questions about what happened in the shoe last weekend. And so I think not that Ohio State fans will ever root for Michigan, but in a way they need Michigan to, to win and, and kind of win decisively to help Ohio State's college football playoff chances. Um, and Purdue, with Jeff Brom at the helm, has won all three of its games against top three opponents. And Ohio State fans know one of them in 2018, of course, that emotional game in which Purdue won big. So that's going to be a game that I'm watching. Um, and, you know, I think Michigan needs to take care of business if Ohio State wants a shot at the playoff. That is a good question to have. Um, mine is completely different, uh, but still – uh, maybe along the same Ohio State playoff lines. Obviously, everything right now is seen in the context of the playoff. Uh, I do agree that that if Michigan looks, the better Michigan looks, the better Ohio State looks for losing badly to Michigan, which is a super weird thing to say, but it's, it's the reality of losing by 22 at home to a team without its best player. Sorry, that's, you blew it. So you need Michigan to win pretty convincingly to show, hey, we're not the only ones that can get blown up by those guys. I agree. My big question, Andy, is... If TCU loses, what are we doing? What happens? Because then, like I said, TCU played Tarleton. TCU would be eleven and one against teams in the group in the FBS. Ohio State would be eleven and one against teams in the FBS. TCU's loss would be in a conference championship game. Ohio State's loss would be in the biggest game of the year. But Ohio State would have a double-digit win over Penn State, a double-digit win over Notre Dame. Uh, so couple other wins that i think are are worth more than the committee is giving uh ohio state credit for so what do you do with that you know what what do you do with it i i think that it becomes super super messy and i ultimately do not want that because i think the health of the sport will be worse if we have to debate tcu versus ohio state rather than just debate usc versus ohio state but i am very curious of how that plays out if tcu stumbles on saturday uh Maybe like it even is projected to. I know that's a really low line. And, you know, if I was a betting man, I would not be putting my money on on TCU in that game. So that's my big question. Could be deja vu all over again. Like the first college football playoff in, in 2014. Yeah, it's just really, 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 really funny to think about with TCU. Not funny in a ha-ha way, but just like interesting. The TCU this position again, having such a magical season, you know, winning in – late game fashion. I think they've had five score wins this year and yeah, they might be penalized for playing in, in a championship weekend, something that they so desperately needed. What? Eight years ago now. Yeah. They did play on championship weekend, but did not have a college conference championship game. Right. I think they won by, I think 52 against Iowa state that last weekend of the year in 2014. The problem for Texas Christian that day was that Ohio State went out and won 59 to nothing and was able to put a, a uh, exclamation point on their uh, magical 2014 season, ultimately ended in a national title. That came from the four seed, Andy, oddly enough. Uh, does history repeat itself uh, eight years later? We'll have to find out Friday night if Ohio State can become the four seed and maybe make a run to the national championship. That's a conference championship preview, though. I'm not sure what else there is to say. Uh, Ohio State fans, grab your grab your t grab your Kansas State gear. Ohio State fans, grab your Utah gear because you're not getting a chance to play for it all without those two teams going down. Uh, 
Andy, thanks for joining me as always. Appreciate the insight. Conference championship weekend is upon us. Ohio State will not be there. We will not be in Indianapolis. We're going to hang out in Columbus and enjoy our time at home after 12 weeks on the road. Again, that's Andy Backstrom. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the latest video from Letterman Row presented by Buyers Auto, the best place to buy a new or used auto in Columbus, Ohio.